Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of our Fuse Room podcast, live from Berlin, live from Fuse Room Recording Studio. My name is Alberto, and I'm the guy here that has been talking to you for like seven episodes by now. So it's just a normal Tuesday. Winter has kicked in, I would say. Looking outside of the windows, there's a mass of gray clouds and temperatures have dropped. And it's the Berlin winter, but not as strong as, you know, it would have been maybe 10, 20 years ago. But this is the kind of vibe we are facing. And today we had the great opportunity to track vocals and guitars for the band Kingswood. It's an Australian band. In 2014, these guys were nominated best rock um, record, best rock band for the ARIA Australian Awards. And that record was mixed by Mr. Vance Powell himself. Great mentor of mine and lots of respect for the guy Vance is just great. Hi, Vance, if you're listening to this. And um, they are tracking the stuff for their new record, which I could, you know, I had the chance to listen to, and it's going to be amazing. They're also playing this Thursday, November 29th, at Sage, or Sage, here in Berlin. So please join us. It's going to be great. And uh, the, the, they're maybe playing something from the new record. These, I don't know, I can't guarantee but the vibe and the sounds of these guys and the vocals and all the backings are just great. So we tracked vocals, we tracked guitars, and it's going to be super cool. So they're obviously here in Berlin for the time being, but they've been touring the US, I think then London, France, and Germany, if I'm correct. So they might have some more day, uh, concert dates here in Germany, and then maybe they're off to some other country or they're going to go back home. So... We're going to see them in a couple of days. Super excited and stoked that. So this is super great. And um, what else? This week, we're going to answer, we just focus this um, episode only on one question that a user, a user on YouTube, on our YouTube channel has asked. And his name is, if I remember correctly, JB Berg. And he asked, it would be great if there was a video or content on the signal chain at the studio. So how is Fuse Room Studio uh, wired, how it's, you know, presented, how everything is laid out and what are the possibilities? So I thought, you know, I would talk about that. The question is interesting. Sometimes I've talked about it here and there. There's no video on it on YouTube. And I thought the podcast would be a great place to answer that. So first off, Fuse Room has no analog mixing console. It's not a studio with a console and many people are going like, I know, I know, you've been saying that for years. But that's a pretty cool thing because it just detaches itself from the normality of studios that you might have seen, you know, which is a, obviously something that works, having an analog console. We don't have something like that. And so that's probably why some people ask me, like, how is the studio wired? How do you work with that? And how do you record? So we have two live rooms and one control room. The two live rooms are Live A is the bigger one and Live B is the smaller ones. They both have 16 audio channels and four to eight video channels and Ethernet going to our server room and to our control room. So the control room naturally has 32 channels and these two channels are, uh, these two sets of 16 channels go to the two rooms. 
need be, we can hook up the live A to the live B. So, for example, we can set up a temporary uh, control room in live B and track people from live A to live B, thus leaving the big control room uh, free for doing other stuff. But generally, the two rooms are hooked up to our control room. We also have four channels, if I remember correctly. I think we could go up to eight, but it really doesn't make much sense. We have, I think, four channels for our MIC locker room. So sometimes we like to use the locker, the MIC locker as an amp room. It's, it's a separated uh, room. It used to be also a machine room and server room. We don't have many servers. We just have one. It's not noisy, but the uh, MIC locker is also a separated split room with its own uh, AC, Klima, you know how you want air conditioning, uh, because there used to be servers in there that would run really hot and noisy, so it's really well insulated, and we thought it would make sense to put four channels in there. Uh, that is great, usually for the bass amplifier, because it makes things rattle, like the snares in a drum set, and that's just great. Usually, there's no rule um, on whether we're going to do drums on live B or on live A, whether or not we're going to do vocals in the small room. It depends really on the project. Some projects we've tracked with drums in the big room. We Others we've tracked with drums in the small room. The great thing about these two rooms is that there's no better and worse. They have a different sonic signature and that's what we try and exploit when we're making records. They're interconnected, so they see one into each other, and there's a very, very big glass between the two. So musicians can see themselves, they can cue each other, and there's generally a very nice interplay between the musicians because, again, they can see each other directly while being extremely well isolated. Sometimes, though, I've tracked everybody in the same room, in the big room, and uh, and it works, and it depends on the project. I had indie bands uh, whose drums and guitar amps, and I think maybe with the exception of bass amps, I don't remember, and vocals were done all in one room. I had folk records that were done percussions, guitar, vocals with a trio in there. I had singer-songwriter stuff just done entirely in one room. It really depends on the sound. And now I know these two rooms pretty well. It's been four years now that I've been tracking in there. So I know positions. I know who has to face who and, you know, all that jazz. Whatever we record there from those microphones get, gets into this control room, the one I'm sitting now very comfortably in the middle of. And these 16 channels all reach my patch base. We have three or four patch bays. Each of them are like 96 channels. They're all Bantams connectors. For those of you who don't know what a Bantam connector is, it's just a typical telephone plug that you would see in some movies where the lady's connecting people through phone lines. It used to be a phone compliant jack and socket, and it's still used in recording studios to patch things there. So everything that is in this control room is presented into the uh, patch base. So I have little text printed tags 
that say, for example, distressor, and then they say, for example, fatso, and they say 33, 609, left and right. So every channel is basically there, and every channel from the live rooms is also there. So I see 1 to 16 and 17 to 32. Uh, everything is really there. So I can patch whatever I want to whatever I like. I have different preamplifiers, I have different equalizers, I have different compressors, I have different uh, what else? Well, that's the main, I have uh, distortion units, I have transient designers, and I have converters as well. So these converters that I have are also on the patch bay, and these are the things that are gonna get uh, receiving the stuff that we record and are interfaced to my Pro Tools HD rig. So the main DAW here at Fuse Room is a Pro Tools HD um, 3 system with Pro Tools 10.3.10, if you really want to get geeky about it. Mm, I like it, I use it, I've been using it since 2009, since 7.4 of version of Pro Tools was out, and it's been paying itself since mm, I think 2012 or 11 so it took me around three four five years to get it you know back I got a loan for that it was the first loan that I got from a bank for audio related stuff and in around four or five years the Pro Tools rig repaid itself so since then it's generating income how cool is that the boards on it are pretty worthless now considering that there's Pro Tools HDX out that everything is more amazing now that has more bits and all that stuff but honestly I really don't care much about bits Pro Tools 10.3.10 for those of you who are geeky enough is a 40-bit integer dough software and it's okay yeah i can work with 48 bits i don't need more it's not the main issue to have more or less of those uh, but this is generally how it works so everything goes into a mac pro uh, with pro tools and the whole session is routed through pro tools hd um, I've been using Ableton sometimes, Logic as well, depending on whether I have production or songwriting stuff to do, but for the mixing, recording, and sometimes mastering as well, we use Pro Tools HD. So there might be, for example, a microphone that is on a guitar amp, and it goes from Live B to, um, uh, to the control room here, like we had today, uh, I could take today as an example, for example, we had three channels going on, two lead vocal microphones and one guitar amp microphone. So the guitar amp microphone was uh, hearing, listening to the Fender Champ amp that we have, the little five watts, and this little Fender Champ amp would shoot audio into an SM57, as simple as that. The SM57 is hooked up on channel, I think, 15 here in the room today, and 15 is then patched in the patch bay to a Neve 1073. The Neve 1073 I then hooked up in chain to an API 550 AEQ, which I actually kept flat, I only used the filters on it, and then that channel from there, the output of the 550 AEQ goes into the Aurora Lynx AD number 15. 
All right. So this is my channel for the guitar. At that point, there's Pro Tools, track is open, record armed, and there. The other two mics for lead vocals were a Lawton Audio Eden and a Neumann U87. I often use these two in combo because I really like how they sound together, but they're two separate tracks. So they're still in live room B. They are track number 13 and 14 as channels, they get back here in the control room as 13 and 14, same numbers, pretty convenient. It's the best way if you don't wanna you know, drive yourself crazy about it. And number 13 and 14 on the patch bay go into two preamplifiers by API, two 512Cs, which are marked 512C1, 512C2. See, it's pretty boring and straightforward. The output of those two channels go into, what did I use today for this? Hold on. Um, okay, yes. The two Great Rivers equalizers, which I actually kept flat. I only used a little bit of the high pass, I think, on both microphones. And then the output of those two EQs go into um, a Phoenix compressor, both channels, just very mild compression. And then those two channels go into the Lynx Aurora AD input channels 13 and 14. You see, I'm keeping the same number. They started out as 13, 14, and they traveled through, you know, the gear getting back into 13 and 14. It's more convenient and it's easier. Just go, you know, to that. So, Today we used three channels. We could have used up to 24, 32. I have a total of 32 channels with conversion and I mainly use the Lynx Aurora and the Apogee 8000 SE that I have. Uh, I also like to use a 2192 for tracking single tracks. Uh, it's got really great ADs. It's a really great discontinued uh, converter. And um, in this session, I also use parallels because here's what happens. The outputs of the Lynx Aurora, which are 16 channels, go into the summing box. And that's how things now are getting more complicated. We talked about channels going from the live rooms to the control rooms, right? So this is, this we got. Like we have signal going from there to here they pass through various pieces of gear and they get into Pro Tools. But now I am also getting out of Pro Tools for some monitoring and stuff. So here's how I set up the thing. We got out of a separate digital channel to the Q system of the studio. I use a dangerous MQ, which is a discontinued thing, but all you need to care is that this unit gathers uh, as two separate individual channels that are dedicated to the headphone systems in the two live rooms so that the musicians in the rooms can hear themselves. And we can create two separate mixes that go to two separate rooms because, for example, if in your room the drummer is playing, you might not need as much drums in your headphones, but the other guy in the other room who is maybe singing along and is alone needs the whole mix. So we can tweak two separate mixes that, that the musicians can further tweak 
to themselves for their headphones. They all use Focal Spirit Pro's headphones. They're great. They're closed back. I got them from Focal and they're been working since I think oh it's been years now. Um, and I also have a pair with me in the control room because hint hint professional highlight you have to monitor what musicians listen to through the same headphone type. That way you really you know can shape the mix and everything they hear the rough mixes or whatever it is to the best of its sound. If you have a very different amplifier and a very different headphone pair uh, it's gonna sound different to you than what the musicians are gonna have so i would recommend to you that you you can listen to their cue number one priority and number two that you listen to their cue with the same headphones you're gonna use so use the same headphone for everybody just go to a music store buy a bunch of them decide on a model and stick to that and then buy one more pair or two for you and maybe an assistant engineer uh, and gift it to them, which is a nice gift to give to your assistant, trust me, uh, especially if it's a good pair of headphones. Um, at that point, this I was mentioning is the Q system. So these two stereo channels get duplicated and they go to each live room. So today we were using only one room and we had this Q, it's called. It's basically everything that the musician needs to hear to sing in this case and play guitar and we were sending it to them. So I made a mix with just a little bit more vocals, you know, for him. And Alexander sang and found it great. He loved it. And he said, this is perfect. Let's do it. You know, and instantly he found himself very comfortable in the mix. And we really did it really fast. So it was was great. It's very spontaneous and natural. He also sings great. So that that helps. The song is great as well. That also helps naturally. And um, this is uh, everything that you need to know for the queue. But I also wanted to add some um, gear just for the monitoring, just for testing stuff out. So here's now how things work once Pro Tools goes out again to the converters. So we're going out to the Lynx Aurora 16, which has 16 channels. And these 16 channels are all connected to the summing box that the studio has. Uh, now, follow me, this is a little more tricky. So we use a summing box by Dangerous Music and this box has 16 inputs and two outputs, plus the same output cloned identical to the main output, which is called the monitoring output. So what happens is we had these 16 channels, it's called normaled, to the dangerous summing box. So if I don't connect anything to the patch bay for those channels, the Aurora output one is gonna go to the dangerous music summing box input one, output two, input two, output three, input three, and so on and so forth. This is because normally I wanna run all the 16 channels into the 16 inputs of the summing box. So when you normal your uh, patch bay, you're basically inverting what things usually do. So instead of being in need of 16 cables to do something that I would do every time, I soldered things on the back of the patch bay so that these 16 channels are actually interconnected. What happens is 
unless I plug something in, these channels just work straight one into the other. But so what I did was I put the vocals, which you remember is two microphones on number one and number two outputs number one and number two. So they go from the Aurora into the summing box and then they get summed. Then I put the guitar on number three and then I put the full mix, uh, the full rough mix that the band had on five and six. I didn't split anything. I just sent the rough mix through a stereo pair. What I wanted to do also was I wanted to do two parallel um, tracks for the vocals. These are have not been recorded. This was just something in monitoring to help and to feel into the mix a little bit more, to give the vocal a little bit of sustain. Since these guys had recorded with Vance Powell, I said, all right, let's do it in a sort of way that, you know, Vance Powell would approve of. So I took one channel of the lead vocal and I duplicated, I created a parallel insert, a parallel send, sorry, and I used a fatso to create a parallel compression. And then I all, you know, once again, duplicated the lead vocal sum of the two mics and I sent it to an 1176 compressor. So these two tracks are then going, these were 13 and 14, going again into the summing box. But before going into the summing box, I used cables in the patch bay to plug this gear. So basically we're going out of 13 into the compressor, back into the input 13 of the summing box. And there we have it. So total of three plus two plus two, I think it's a seven track session. We have two vocal mics, one guitar mic, two left and right uh, backing track row rough mix, and two parallels for the lead vocals, two mono compressors. At that point, all of this stuff, you remember, goes into the summing box, right? It goes through gear, but then it's into the summing box. So what does the summing box do? The summing box sums everything into two channels left and right. These two channels I've sent to my Dangerous Master, which is the transfer console that I usually use for mastering. But for me, it's just convenient, even non in non-mastering situations, to use that. So it's a transfer console. It's a little bit complicated to talk about. All you should know is that I use that as my analog mix bus manager. And in the Dangerous Master, I plugged in as an insert the API 2500 compressor. So all there is to say is that the mix, the output of the summing box goes into a mix, a mix bus compressor, all right? Which is the API 2500. I set it up and then at that point, I am monitoring the analog into the transfer console. I honestly don't need to go back into digital, but if the band wanted to get a rough mix of their vocals and something printed there, I can do that. I can go from the output of the compressor into an AD, for example, my Lavery AD converters, and capture in Pro Tools the sum of this whole analog chain. It could be that they need it, so, you know, we set it up, but the purpose of this parallel plus the mix bus compressor is that 
I always want to hear things in the most realistic, organic, real sounding, you know, environment possible. The fact that I put a mix bus compressor on our session is has not created something deceiving or you know easier to misunderstand like oh you put this compressor on top of everything now how can we know that the original vocals and guitars you're tracking are correct you don't need to bypass the compressor to hear that the com that the vocals and guitars are working actually it's quite the opposite the fact that the compressor is averaging your sound between the backing track and the vocals creates a gluing effect and this makes things less you know sticking out less poking out of the mix and it's already giving you a hint of how things will sound you know in terms of cohesiveness so we're only doing one maybe sometimes two dbs of compression at tops so it's a very mild leveling uh, of the things and the parallel compressors for the vocals do the same thing so they are basically just creating some sustain to give me a hint about how this will be uh, you know sounding i'm not gonna mix these records so i did not commit to having the parallels printed but i could you know do it if the mix engineer asks me to so too i sent you know i took notes so that i can recall this and that's basically it. This is an example of how I would, you know, run things. For some occasions, we can also do, but this is a more complicated topic, we could do what's called pitch and catch. In mastering, we do that. We use one dough software, which could be Pro Tools, to pitch the whole mix, and then we capture it with another sound card and converter at a higher sample rate. But this gets really complicated and more mastering-oriented, so it doesn't really matter for this, you know, for the sake of this topic. Everything is interconnected. The Apollo is also connected to provide plugins mostly, but I also have the outputs of the Apollo on the patch bay. And obviously at that point, we go to the monitoring of my studio. And the monitoring is there, the word says that already, to monitor. So I have a dangerous monitor and I keep pick up what input source I want to listen to, what output source I want to listen to, and which speaker. So Proax, Focals, and Bowers and Wilkins, these are the three pairs that we have at Fuse Room, and um, that's it. This is how we hear things and how we decide whether it sounds good or not. Uh, we just work out of... A, I like to work this way because I don't have an analog desk in between, it sounds great, it's the best hybrid combination of both worlds, and it's really, really fast for me to work this way. If you noticed, I don't like fake faders, uh, control surfaces, I tried to get into using some of them, but honestly, I, I kept resorting to mouse and keyboard, so I route everything as my virtual analog console in Pro Tools, route stuff out, and as you see, I use analog gear as well. And we didn't use any plugin in this session. Sometimes I do. I think we only used an L2 limiter on the mix just so that we, you know, couldn't clip anything. And that was about it. Um, the studio also uses a um, clock by Antelope. So we also have an external clock. I'm just looking around to see if I missed anything and I just noticed the clock. So all of these converters are clocked through an antelope to give them you know a common clock common clock um 
that's about it. Things can get more complicated thanks to the liaison, thanks to the dangerous master, thanks to, again, some patch bay weird stuff. But all in all, this is how it works. Um, if you have any question or things sound really weird to you or there's something that I said that you didn't understand, write me. My email is alberto at fuseroom.com. Join our Telegram channel at Telefuseroom and ask your questions there. It's no problem for me to answer you. These topics can get a little bit complicated sometimes. But the good thing is you can rewind and listen to me bragging about how great this studio is, all right? Check us out, fuseroom.com and instagram.com slash fuseroom. This time I'm going to give you our Instagram because we're all cool and stuff and we have the best pics and events, all right? Thank you very much, guys. See you the next week.